Well, hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the New Ground Life and Leadership Podcast. Here to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus, wherever you are and whatever you're going through. My name's Jez, and it's great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us for this our third in our Leadership Shorts podcast, where we've been featuring conversations that I had with Simon Elliott, who leads the team at Everyday Church in London. If you haven't heard the first two conversations that I had with Simon, go back and check them out to do with identity and measuring success in ministry, that sort of thing. Today's podcast features the last in my conversations with Simon as we blend together two completely unrelated topics. The first topic that we're going to be considering is how to respond well as pastors when people leave your church. And the second is a more practical one. How are we to lead meetings or even how are we to decide as pastors and those who lead teams or organizations, how are we to decide what meetings we're supposed to have and who should be in those meetings? Okay, the first. When people leave your church as a pastor, let's be honest, it hurts. It always hurts, especially when people are leaving your church to go to another church in the same town or area as you. So how are we as pastors supposed to respond? Or how are we supposed to think well about loving and leading and even releasing people well? Over to Simon. Uh, I think firstly I would say it will hurt. People come to you and they say it's nothing personal, but we're moving on. And sometimes they do that well, sometimes they don't. You can have a conversation, sometimes you get an email, sometimes you get a letter through the door. Uh, and the, the more you love them, the harder it is. That's the reality. And so it, it will just happen. People move on. People get new jobs. People get disappointed. People go through different seasons of their life. They will move on. Very few of us will have somebody in our church who is there for the whole of the time that we lead that church. So you have to work out a way of processing it. Um, you always remind yourself, my identity is in God, not in the number of people I lead or that person. And then the way that I've kind of started to talk about it now is you have to learn to love deeply but hold lightly. So there are different ways you can treat people. And, and often, historically, what I've done to cope with my disappointment and that feeling of rejection is I've loved people shallowly and I've held them lightly. So I don't really care whether you stay or not. You're not that important to me. So, and what I'm doing is I'm protecting myself. If I don't really invest in you, if I don't think of you too much, if I don't try to love you loads, then actually when you move on, which you'll do at some point, I'm not hurt. At other times, I, I've tried to love them lightly, but hold them tightly. That is probably the worst, because <laughs> then you get, into, you get into abuse, really. In, in, okay, I'm going to set up structures and remember, you should be here every week and you should be at least on at least three serving teams and I lay all these. And I can kind of paint it in spiritual language about commitment and honouring leaders. But again, what I'm trying to do is guilt them into staying. Mm. I don't really care about them, but if they stay and keep my numbers high, I'll feel secure and I'm really holding them tightly, but I'm, I'm still not loving them, really. So the other thing I've done is I've, I've loved deeply, so I've invested heavily, but I've still held them really tightly. 
And that, again, that really damages you because you're really investing, but you're controlling. So you're not abusing. You know, abuse is to not really care, but still hold tightly. You know, but loving deeply and holding tightly is controlling people. And again, it all comes from trying to protect yourself. These people might leave. How do I stop them leaving? And of course, the ideal is to love deeply and hold lightly. And what really helped me in that is to remember... Although I am a shepherd, I am an under-shepherd. They're not my people. I know lots of leaders uh, quote the West Wing in their leadership podcast, Jez. I'll try not to None do that None more so much. than you. <laughs> um, but there's a, there's a scene in the West Wing when one of the main characters describes the voters as their voters. And, and the person he's talking to, they're not your voters. And, and that helps me think, these people are not my people. Mm. They have been loaned to me by the one who does, who they do belong to, which is Jesus. Mm. I'm an under-shepherd. An under-shepherd in Scripture was given a number of sheep by an over-shepherd, told to look after these, come back in a year and give account for them. And that's what we are. And therefore I need to love every one of my people as much as I can because Jesus gave his life for them. But actually... I need to hold them lightly because it's not about my church. It's about the kingdom of God and it's about Jesus. And if we bless that person for six months or six years or 16 years, then they move on. That's a win. Mm -hmm. If we help them grow, if we help them learn, if we learn from them and they learn from us, if we bless them and they bless us, if if they are going on with God when they arrive and going on with God even more when they leave, that's the win. And once you can get to that place, you just relax. Because, yes, you're recognising people will move on, but you're not trying to protect yourself from rejection the whole time. Will it hurt? Yes, because you love them. Yeah? But does it destroy you? No, because you knew you were only ever loving them for a season. Mm. It's like being a parent. We're not raising children, we're raising adults. Good parenting equips children to leave home. That's the goal. The goal is not they stay. The goal is they leave. But they leave well. And if you love them deeply like you do your kids, but hold them lightly, you protect yourself and you equip them. That's really helpful. Thank you. Really helpful. I can't tell you how much this advice really helped me, particularly during a season that was full of plenty of discouragements. Love deeply, but hold lightly. Receive people as gifts. Try to do them good and then let them go as God leads. Okay, so now on to the second part of today's conversation. How to lead meetings and how to decide what meetings to have and who to have in them, that sort of thing. Over to Simon. Um, I try and use, I say try because I often forget, I try and use what I call a meeting triangle. So I think about purpose, I think about people, and I think about place. And if you cannot complete a meeting triangle for a meeting, you shouldn't be having it. Because all of us have sat in meetings where we think we're not sure why we're here, we're not sure why we're in the room, we're not sure where this is going. What is the fruit of this meeting going to be? And I have run lots of meetings like that. And gosh, there are some faithful people who've sat through some really bad meetings. 
But if you did a meeting triangle, you first of all say, why do I need to have this meeting? What is the purpose of it? Because if I can't identify that, mm. then you don't have it. <laughs> yeah? We might have had an elders meeting every Thursday night for the last seven years, but why? And if we don't know why we're having it, stop. Yeah? If you identify the why, okay, we want to have a meeting, let's use an elders meeting as an example. We want to have an elders meeting because we want to pray for the church and we want to discuss key issues within the church. We want to lead well. Okay, that's the why. So then you go, well, people. So who should be in that room? Because if you sit in a meeting and you're not sure why you should be there, you won't contribute. You won't, you won't take part. But equally, you might have someone who shouldn't be in the room who really wants to be in the room and they'll take your meeting places you don't want to go. So once you know purpose, right, who needs to be in the room? And you might go, oh, it's an elders meeting. We just have elders. But actually, if the purpose of the meeting is to discuss key areas of church life and you're discussing kids or welcoming or youth, well, you probably want your kids' team in there or kids, key kids' leaders or key worship leaders. So you're not going, oh, it's an elders' meeting, so it'll only be elders. You're actually asking the question, who do you want in the room? So why? Purpose, people. And then what I call place, which is about frequency, you know, how often do you have this meeting? How long should this meeting be? Even where is the best place to have this meeting? Because there are some meetings that are brilliant around a table with food. Some are much better in a larger room, flip, flip chart up, doing something like that. And so you then go, okay, not only do I, I know why I'm having this meeting, I know why these people are in the room, and actually I know this group of people need to meet for this reason once a month or once a term or once a year. You might have a meeting where you go, well, these people, it's every week, but for our kids' team, they come once every six weeks. For our youth team, they come once every six weeks. Because you're changing the frequency, the placement of that meeting. And if you do that, you will find your meetings become increasingly fruitful because you, people will know why we're meeting. They'll know, okay, this is a monthly meeting, so that's why we're going to deal with these issues. And these people are in the meeting, and I know why they are. There's no one here who shouldn't be here. Yeah? Everybody is here who should be here. That will help you hugely. It's a little bit of discipline, and you have, to, you have to be disciplined enough to go, if I haven't done that, I'm not having the meeting. And then your, your meetings will be fruitful. And so do you start most meetings with a, here's what the meeting is, here's why you're all here, and those sorts of things? If I'm leading well, yes. <laughs> if I get too busy, yeah, I can easily fall back to not doing that and suddenly thinking on an afternoon, oh, I've got a meeting tonight, I better think of something to say. And I think lots of us have been in that place. But if I'm leading well, I will absolutely do that because you'll do that twice. You'll do that before you invite people to the meeting and then you'll remind people when you, when you get in the meeting. And for some uh, uh, meetings that repeat, initially you want to create a culture for that meeting so you will tell people every time. So my staff meeting early on, I would remind people, this meeting is about relationship, it's about being a team together, it's about doing a bit of training, and it's about, to have, it's about having fun. And I would say that every time. I don't say that every time now, maybe I should start saying it again, but early on, and then people get in the culture of oh, this meeting has a certain culture, this is where we can have fun together and, and learn together, because it also helps people know what they're not going to do in the meeting. Because very often when you have a meeting, everything crowds in, doesn't it? Whereas actually you said, this is a meeting to talk about worship. I don't want to talk about kids. I'm not talking about kids. I'm talking about worship. 
I want to talk about worship with kids. Well, okay, you snuck that one in there. <laughs> but, you know, people then know, and then actually your meetings can be shorter and more focused, which is incredibly helpful. I think the final thing I'd say on that now post-COVID, when you're looking at place, there are some meetings that work brilliantly on Zoom. There are some meetings that don't. And a question you can ask about place mm. is, is, is this an in-person or is this an on-Zoom? Yeah. And that can really help you as well. And last question on this, how regularly do you review this so you don't get stuck in a rut? You should probably review at least annually. So uh, ideally what you want to do is have, a, is have a program of meetings for the year. So look at the year and think, right, have I got the right number of meetings, the balance in terms of what's sustainable? Decide that, set them in your diary so everybody knows, and then probably about two-thirds of the way into the year, you want to start looking at your next year. And what you want to do then is review eight months. Okay, we've been meeting as elders once a month. Is that enough, yes or no? Have we had enough other people in, yes or no? So set aside a bit of time to review. You're not going to change anything for the next four months, but you are going to change stuff for then month 13 through to month 24. So you do it like that. Well, that concludes our short conversations about leadership with Simon Elliott. I hope you found them helpful. Our long-form podcast conversations will be back in two weeks' time. And then in our shorts series, we'll be picking up some essential lessons for effective communication and preaching with well-known author and conference speaker, Andrew Wilson. Until then, stay well, keep pursuing Jesus with everything you have, and we'll see you next time. God bless. From before our lives began